0: Welcome to the Rich Feet Podcast with Dr. Tanisha Richmond. This podcast is sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, where they specialize in happy feet. Each episode highlights the best of Dr. Richmond's radio show, providing bite-sized clips of advice. Let's jump right into the show.
1: As we are here at The Real Rhythm, and you know what day it is, we are excited to always have with us, and we've had a little over eight years now. Wow, Doctor Tanisha Richmond, Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic. How are you, Doc?
0: Blessed and highly favored, and breathing on my own today.
1: And that is, a <laughs> that is a Breathing and, on
0: my own. And
1: and we know you're always stepping
0: in the name of love, right? Yes, ma'am. Step, yes, ma'am. Got to step as long as I can. <laughs>
1: It's always good to see you, Doc. And
0: of course, uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Quiet. Very quiet. It was me, my boyfriend, and my Chihuahua. Nice. He ran behind us all day trying to eat our food and getting crumbs.
1: <laughs> good food and he played it safe.
0: Yeah. I watched the new Netflix movie about the lady with the chess, and now I want to learn how to play chess. I'm fired up. Maybe I'll get the nap. <laughs>
1: Hopefully, that's something to come really soon. You're going to have some time, as we all will soon. You know? Yeah. We not kind of get into things we haven't been able to get into it before. Well, Doc, you know, each and every fourth Saturday, we're excited to have, with you, have you with us from 12 to 1 p.m. here on our footsteps for life, brought to you by Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, and you're located at 1323 West Dr Martin Luther King Jr Way, inside of the Dr Charles R Druth Health Center. And of course, you have a great topic for us today, but you've got a fabulous guest. Yes. Why don't you tell us about your guest.
0: So I have Miss Angela Foxworth Everett. Who resides from my hometown of Bogalusa, Louisiana, but she's lived in Columbus. How many years have you lived here now? I
2: would say since twenty twelve,
0: so you know, eight years. She's a graduate of the historically black college, University of Southern University. <laughs> and she also is an AKA and she is in all her pink and green today. But I brought my cousin on today because I wanted her to talk about politics. Angela is, she's gonna, I'm gonna let her speak and tell you all the different things she has done in politics. But now, even though we have one and we have our president-elect Joe Biden and Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, we still have work to do. And I wanted to bring Angela on to talk about the work we still have to do to make sure that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can actually get things done when they get to the White House and to D.C. Angela?
2: Thank you so much for having me, Look, it is, it is my pleasure. I've been doing this since 2008. In fact, Tanisha and I both have been doing it since 2008. She's definitely been a champion for the Obama Obama days. She <laughs> yes. Was, you know, holding it down. And so from that time until now, I always wanted to be a, a champion for the people. And I got that opportunity in 2010. I've worked as an organizer, I've worked as a event planner in the world of politics and fundraising, which is my favorite thing to do. And I really want to make sure that there are more minorities, more women in the world of um, fundraising when it comes to politics oftentimes people are afraid of the fundraising part because there's an ask behind it however that is the most important Mm -hmm. thing in the world of politics fundraising fundraising that is asking for the dollars or better known as dialing for
0: dollars so how do you approach fundraising or what makes you more effective than the other fundraisers
2: well you know so you have to stand out i mean you know and and then you have to have the courage to ask people uh-huh. you can't like pick and choose you can't be afraid you have to dive in and you have to ask everyone for that amount and you can't be turned off by the word no because you're going to hear no often yes but that no d- will definitely when you when you get that yes that makes you feel a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so what can so tell us a little bit about yourself. How many different what campaigns have you worked over on over the years?
2: I have worked for the Ohio Democratic Party. I worked for the AFL CIO, one of the unions. I have worked for AARP. I have worked for you name it, I've done it. Because there was no task that was too small for me to do. And you work for Elizabeth
0: Warren, right? Oh,
2: absolutely. Let me just say, <laughs> that was my favorite campaign. Just almost a year ago, I was invited to come down to South Carolina and work on Senator Warren's presidential campaign as a regional political director. And uh, I had Congressman uh, Clyburn's district, which was like humongous. And it's like from Orangeburg, South Carolina, all the way to Beaufort, South Carolina. So Mm -hmm. that was a lot of territory to cover. And it it was an awesome experience because that was my first time traveling outside of Ohio doing politics. And South Carolina is one of the first in the South. South Carolina is one of the first in the South to actually determine who's going to be, uh, president.
0: Oh, they're the first primary.
2: They are one of the first primaries, like that looks like America. Oh, okay. so they turned Joe Biden's campaign around,
0: Okay.
2: South Carolina did that. And then from South Carolina, I, you know, of course we had to stay at home order, so I came back to Ohio and I chilled out for a couple of months. And then I had the opportunity to register people to vote in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. And so I ran a voter registration drive in Beloit, Wisconsin, and in Milwaukee. And how many people do you think you registered? I think that I personally probably registered about 2,000 people.
0: Okay.
2: And I, the thing about registering people to vote, the conversations were definitely interesting. Because <laughs> I ran into a lot of people who were apathetic. Who said that they vote didn't count? Yeah, and I was ecstatic on November the third as I was watching the results in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, to see what I had told people that your vote does count. Does it? Because it does matter. Because they were counting votes, mm-hmm. and it was close. Yeah. And it was close and it, it was very close. So all those people who, you know, told me, oh, my vote doesn't count. I said, it does. Yeah. And, you know, I proved them right. And uh, we won Wisconsin. So I, I'm grateful that, you know, I feel like my work, the work that we did with the 360 Consulting and the outreach team, that it definitely changed um, hearts and minds. And we brought Wisconsin home. So for that, I'm I'm truly, truly uh, grateful. The thing also about it was that I was also the health and safety director for COVID. Uh And so thankfully, no one uh, got ill during that time. Absolutely. Because we were sanitizing everything. (laughs) Hands, laptops, spraying everything. You know, we... Because the numbers in Wisconsin were, were yeah, truly they were, high. Yeah, they were
0: pretty, they're still pretty high, aren't they?
2: They are. To the point I was like, okay, it's time, <laughs> bless you, yeah, thank you. It's time for me to, to move on. Because I felt like you know my work there was done. And they was like, so Angela, you want to come to South Carolina? I said, I do. I do.
0: And that's where you worked on Jamie Harris's campaign. That's that's correct. That's so. Correct. What did you do when you worked on his campaign?
2: So with his campaign, I was the advanced team, is so I worked. I was a part of the coordinated campaign, and we had the opportunity to, you know, schedule events. Now, normally in the world of politics, they want a whole lot of people at events, but COVID made it different. So instead of Having large turnouts, we wanted small crowds and we wanted to give the people that were running for office a platform or opportunity to talk. So we would have events outside because the weather was absolutely gorgeous down there Mm -hmm. and where we would talk about and then we would, you know, show it live on Facebook. And so I uh, actually would set up events with party chairs because we did all 46 counties also, had the pleasure of driving the van. And <laughs> that was a pleasure. Yeah, that was a pleasure. <laughs> How was that? You know what? <laughs> I started requesting security. Really? Why? Because people would see, you know, the vans and they said all in for South Carolina and had the Democratic logo. Uh-huh. And then we had the Jamie Harrison bus. Uh-huh. And people were you know, doing things that weren't, weren't nice. You know, we're driving and they would just cut off, cut right right in front of us. So like they
0: did out in Houston, was that Houston or? It was was somewhere somewhere in Texas. Texas. They ran the people off the road, but tried
2: to. That's correct, similarly, but not as bad. So then we had, you know, protection. But I think what I, what I enjoyed the most about that campaign was to see the faces of children. Yeah. And they would see that big bus roll in with Jamie Harrison's face on it.
0: Oh, man. And
2: they would just, you know, start, you know, just smiling. And and just thinking about it just gives me chill bumps. And, you know, as uh, Jamie says, as we dream, we breathe, as we hope, we breathe. It's it's one of those mottos down in South Carolina. And that's something that I believe in, you know, just as long as you have breath, you have hope. That's true. And so, we didn't get it this time, but that does not mean that we, that change won't come to South Carolina.
0: Yeah. Actually, I'm listening to Barack Obama's book now, I'm um, just in the beginning, I think when he first, I think when he, he ran for Senate and won, right after he gave his speech, mm-hmm. well, actually he's about to do his speech at the Democratic mm-hmm. Convention, mm-hmm. and I'm listening to how, I didn't know he had lost, he lost a race. Yes. And then he, you know, he came back and ran and he's talking about how, you know, they didn't think he could do it because of his name. Right. The Barack Obama. <laughs> right. And how, you know, it, it, it's something to listen to how so many people doubted him. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he won two elections. Right. You know? Absolutely. And, and one of the most, still the most revered presidents in history, most liked in history and in the world, actually. absolutely you know i i
2: tell people often that you know you have to give it your all when you're working on campaigns yeah and so every night even though my day was over i was still thinking you know how can i ensure that i've given it my all and as well as to make sure that people understand the importance of this race
0: so for someone say they're in high school Mm -hmm. say they're in college and they want to get into politics and fundraising and working campaigns. How do they get into that?
2: Well, you know, regardless of your party affiliation, I say call your, you know, if you're a Democrat, call the Democratic Party office and say, hey, you know, I want to volunteer. Okay. I want to learn more. And if you're a Republican, do the same thing. Okay. Um, because, you know, it, it starts out and also pay attention to civics. Civics. Yeah, civics. I don't know if they still teach that in school, but it is
0: truly (laughs) important. So they need to refresh refresh on their civics. So what do you mean, like laws and bills
2: and laws and bills and just, you know, people just
0: how how politics work, how
2: politics work. You know how a bill works. So, for instance, as we think about Georgia, because that's my my next venture. Right now, I am uh, a part of a group called The Squad. Mm-hmm. And The Squad includes Star Jones and four other the women, including myself. And so what we're doing, and, and Star has what she calls the Brown Girls Initiative. And she is raising money. She raised $1.3 million for the Biden-Harris campaign. Uh-huh. And now she's raising money for Warnock. Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff.
0: So, what are they running for?
2: They're running Georgia? for the the two Senate seats in Georgia. Right now, the, it's forty eight, forty nine. Four, four. The Democrats have forty eight in the Senate, and the uh, Republicans have forty nine. And so, we. So, what we're doing is, we need those two seats.
0: Yes, Can it, Now, explain what the importance of us getting. Those two seats and what may happen to Biden Harris for the next four years if we don't win those two seats.
2: So currently what happens in the Senate is unfortunately with Mitch McConnell being the majority leader for the Senate, a lot of bills die. They call him the Grim Reaper. And so he is actually holding our fate in his hands. Now, the House I'm gonna use the stimulus bill. So the House passed a stimulus bill, another one. I think it was for 2.6 trillion dollars. Unfortunately, Mitch McConnell has not brought it up, and for the Senate to vote on it, he's holding it. Now we're doing. It's it's Christmas time. It's the holiday season. You have people that are not working. You have people that are about to lose their the student loans, forgiveness, they're getting ready to lose the protection for rent protection. The six hundred dollars extra unemployment is going to be lost. So a whole lot of things that are at stake, and these are people's lives. This is not paper. This is this this is people's lives. And so these two seats. If we win them and we need to win them, we'll allow for people to we wouldn't have to worry about things dying and in, in the senate anymore because my invest my madam vice president would then be the deciding factor for the vote, so it could be 50 50. She comes in and it, she makes it 51 and we win. So if you want the next stimulus you need to call all your friends relatives Pookie and Ray right now down, down here in Georgia mm. and make sure that they're registered to vote because they still have time to register to vote the election is January the 4th Okay. so people have until December the 4th to register to vote
0: for this for, the, for, for the this runoff,
2: for this runoff. And it is tremendously important. I'm going to make sure that if people want to donate through the Brown Girls Initiative, I will we'll make sure that we get the link to you so that you can donate because what they need now is money. And then they are coordinating, you know, for people to knock doors, to send out texts, to make phone calls. Okay. And we also cannot stress the importance of people voting early. I think they have requested 800,000 absentee ballots. People need to make sure that they turn those in. Manually? Manually. Don't send it by mail. (laughs) Don't send it by mail.
0: (laughs) Drop it off to the courthouse.
2: Uh, Because, you know, I I don't know about everybody else, but I can tell you, when they called that race on, finally called it on that Saturday. I think that was November the 6th or 7th. Mm -hmm. I had peace. Peace. I was able for to For a
0: little
2: while. Right, for a little while we were able to sleep. <laughs> yeah. We were able to sleep. And it would even be better if we win those two sleep seats because things would not sit. You know, we are a country of checks and balances and our balances have not been checked in a long time. <laughs> and so we need to we need to make sure that we get these two seats.
0: So Okay, so to recap what you just said, Mm -hmm. so people in Georgia can register to vote until what day?
2: December the 4th.
0: They can vote. Can they do this online or they have to go down to the courthouse to register?
2: To register? That is a good question. They should call their county board of elections to see if they can do that because it's really important that people registered to vote. And what do they need,
0: just a plain ID, some form of ID? Some
2: form of ID, and then probably they have to prove that they are a resident. That's another thing. You know, the laws for uh, registering to vote are different in all 50 states. And while I was in Wisconsin, I called us the um, Freedom Riders, we were the new Freedom Riders, <laughs> wow. because Wisconsin has some of the most difficult laws when it comes to registering to vote. Wow. And the outreach team who who I worked for at that time, we were the only ones that were out in swing states uh-huh. registering people to vote, and then we were the only ones that were out canvassing after that during the pandemic.
0: Okay. So okay, so they need to get registered. Mm-hmm. They need to take proof of ID and like a light bill or water bill or something. A- absolutely, yeah. Okay, and then they register. Mm-hmm. Then they can vote early. Yes, please vote they early. They can vote absentee absolutely okay and then they need to donate
2: yes they need to donate
0: and you said now why do they need to donate to help pay they need to so what it
2: what donating does is it helps you know fuel the campaign okay so you know that's to pay people you know $15 an hour to knock doors because you know people need to make income okay and so whatever the campaign costs are affiliated with that's what the money goes to
0: okay and 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 again, if if these two people lose, then things like the Affordable Care Act could they be in jeopardy again. Or they, I mean, they're slowly chipping away at the Affordable right. Care Act. Actually, I'm just renewing my insurance, and it went up another two hundred dollars. Wow. And they're saying the cost is because of they they chipped out the mandate, took right. the mandate away, which. Decrease people signing up. Yet yeah, people still are signing up. Right. A lot of people, millions of people love the Affordable Care Act. But the Republicans are constantly trying to take it away and say it's horrible. Yet they have no replacement.
2: Absolutely. So that is definitely one of the things that worries a lot of us at night. So that's one of the things that would be up in the air. We would possibly lose the uh, Obamacare. The stimulus would be in jeopardy. All the things that we need as people, like everybody is not rich. What is it? 1% of yeah. the population is rich. Amazon and them. <laughs> Amazon <laughs> and Netflix, and those folks.
0: Yeah.
2: And we're not begrudging them.
0: No, because they employ a lot of people.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. But you still have to think about the people who need. And there's a lot of people in need right now. Yeah. Sometimes you're in need and you don't even know you're in need. Yeah. <laughs> Say
1: that. And So Somebody in the back pew needed to hear that. Can I so, amen? <laughs>
2: sometimes you're in need and you don't know that you're in need. Yeah. And so that's the reason we're out here doing the pandemic trying to make this happen. Because we want to see everyone succeed. And the government works for the people. And so I am going to end on Jamie Harrison's words, while we breathe, we hope. And so I know that we can do this one more time. We can do this. And then I I would say this, that it is important. Every election is important. Not only your national or your federal, but your local, your state. Every time there's an election, I encourage people to go vote. There's no reason for you not to vote. You don't have an opinion if you don't
0: vote.
2: Mm. And if you can vote for those television shows, (laughs) then you can vote for what makes your life tick in real life.
0: (laughs) Well, on that note. To take a break and come back. When we come back, we'll be talking about amputation prevention in the African American community, Project Ampustop, and some other projects that I'm working on. As well, I'm going to talk about my new clothing line I've created for Madam Vice President Kamala Harris and, of course, President Joe, Joe Biden. But we will be going to breaks.
1: <laughs> And we be, we'll be back shortly. 102.3, yours truly, Sophia, in on the beautiful Saturday. Yes, that's right. Sophia. Good morning. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored, and breathing on my own. It is a fantastic <laughs> New Year! Happy New Year! To
0: happy you. New Year! Happy it, New it Year! Is exciting,
1: and I'm telling you, today, as you know, we would have typically been on last Saturday, but we're happy to be here today. Yeah, and we're here the fourth Saturday of every month for Footsteps for Life, and yeah. today we're stepping in the name of love. Yes, we need to step in the name of something <laughs> positive. <laughs> What do you take of that, Dr. Richmond? I mean, we're stepping into 2021. Give us your take on that. I am
0: prayerful that 2021 will be a better year than 2020. You know, I was actually watching the news the other day and they were talking about people were saying this is our worst year in the history of America. And they went back and they said, actually, it's not. You know, we had the Civil War, Mm -hmm. you know, we've had other major World War II and other things that, and as a country, you know, we have been through so much and and I'm very sure we will make it through this. It will take time, it will take patience, and it will take a lot of organization. (laughs) As we see with the rollout of the vaccine, But, you know, I I am thankful that this is 2020 and not 1920, because probably millions more people would have died and we would not have been able to get a vaccine in our hands in less than a year. Because I think the polio vaccine, they said, took like 30 years Mm -hmm. to get Mm -hmm. and we have a vaccine in the arms of people, I think within what it was less than a year. And that 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 is something to say. That is something to say as a people and as science and technology in our times. You know, I have my, I've had people who died from breast cancer in the last maybe seven years. And if they had lived till today, they'd still be alive because of so much technology and advancements in medicine. It's amazing what I've seen in my short time practicing medicine. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this year coming up. I know we're gonna be going through a lot, trying to get the vaccine rolled out and take it, who's gonna take it, who's not gonna take it. But it's, it's a blessing to even have the opportunity to have an option for the treatment of this disease and this pandemic and to have the scientists on board who know how to work with this disease. So I, I, I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm very hopeful for 2021 and following years.
1: You know, Doc, uh, we must tell those uh, that are listening, uh, that may just have tuned in to the radio station, you are our local podiatrist and foot specialist, Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, and and it's located uh, just up the street here, 1323 West uh, 3rd Street, West Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Way. And what many people love about your show is your show is titled Footsteps for Life, and This encompasses so many things, as you know, in the last week, we just celebrated Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and transition into our new year, as we talked about um, briefly in the beginning of the show, 2021. But we also know that during this time, during this season, many people develop what's called or has been labeled as holiday blues. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that uh, affects many people during this time? It's You know,
0: I am a podiatrist, so let me preempt with that statement. But, you know, depression is common during the holiday season. And then also there's something called seasonal affective disorder, which is depression by the weather. So lack of sunlight. You know, I'm a southern child, so I'm from the south. So nah. <laughs> Yes, nah. as you see my saints. <laughs> but even when I leave Ohio and go south and start getting all that sunlight, it actually changes my personality. I perk up with the sun. And living in the north, we lack sunlight because we are in the we get so much cloudiness this time of the year. We have it for months at a time. And lots of people get depression during that time. They have to take antidepressants. Then sometimes they can do the lights. There are certain lights you can go under to help with the depression. And then I just think it's just a rough year emotionally for a lot of people. Uh, Even myself, you know, I normally fly out every month to every other month. I'm usually on a plane somewhere. I usually go home to Louisiana three to four times a year. And I usually go home for at least one major holiday a year. This year, I didn't go home for either. So that was stressful. I didn't think it would affect me as much as it did. But you know, as they say, you don't miss your water till your well once dry. And, and how long has it been since you? I haven't home? been home since Mardi Gras. so I was home at our last Mardi Gras. I don't know when we're gonna have another one. Mm-hmm. It has already been canceled for this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they still will have parties. <laughs> Just they, I think they have already canceled all the parades. There will be no parades this year. But they will probably still. Well, I don't know if they'll have parties. I don't know. Depends, I guess, on how the vaccine rolls out and people feel about getting in the group. So it's going to be a different year. But I mean, I think emotionally, it's just so much hitting us. I've been telling my patient, well, are we on that Corona ride. We cannot get off. We are on this ride Every time you get to the end, you think you're about to get off and they strap you back in. So that's what it feels like. You're on this this ride. You're going up and then you're down and you're up and then you're down. And I think emotionally, you know, if people are dealing with things, I think they should talk to their doctors about it. If they think they need some help, if they need to talk to someone, if they think. And a lot of people already had issues before this, you know, a lot of emotional issues and mental health issues before this and so it's just exacerbating making all of it worse because i mean if you watch the news it's not a lot of positivity on the news at all and and, and it's like they're just kind of it's a drumbeat of negativity and if you take all that in it, it can just break you down so I think people, if you're going through things, you should reach out to your doctors. Reach out to whoever, your primary care, your nurse practitioner, your pastor, whoever, to talk to them through this. Because there has been an increase of suicides. There's been children who have killed themselves over this, not being able to go to school and be around their friends. I mean, there's so many things you don't even think of. I mean, just talking about the kids, them not being... Because I know one of my patients is a teacher and we were talking to, you know, I was asking her how it was doing the online teaching. And she said, you know what? They make me get off and they just sit there and talk to each other. She said, when I'm done teaching, they're like, don't log off. We just want to talk to each other and they'll just sit there, just jibber jibber. (laughs) <laughs> and they're doing their Zooming and they're talking to each other about their days, I guess, or whatever's going on in their little worlds. But they miss that. And you don't think about it. You know, they just miss seeing their friends and talking about, you know, kids just talk about whatever. You
1: know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their,
0: their lives. And I mean, it's just haywire. So I think it has changed us. Well, actually, as a world, not a country. We have changed. And I think we will We'll will come out of it better. We'll come out of it different. Just like every other issue we've had in our lifetime, we made it through and we'll make it through this.
1: So we talked about the vaccine. The vaccine is now out. Yes. Uh, there are two types. Yes. Is it Moderna? Moderna and the and Pfizer. Pfizer. Okay. So I'm sure uh, like many of us, we've heard lots of uh, conversations about the virus, but in the medical world, and those that work closely with you, what what has been the buzz in the conversation about the vaccine and it being released? Most of the people I've talked to are waiting to
0: get it. <laughs> they want to take it.
1: And yes. how do you feel, you you shared have shared here on the radio station about some challenges medically that you've had and some things that you deal with. So how do you feel just as a an individual taking the vaccine or, or being prepared to take the vaccine?
0: Well, you know, I don't know if I've ever talked about it, but I've had MS now for five years. So you
1: talked about your diabetes.
0: I that my MS, okay. and I've had it now for five years. And MS is an autoimmune disorder. So basically, MS is a disease where your immune system attacks your central nervous system. So my white blood cells cross my blood-brain barrier, and they will attack my brain and my entire spinal cord. And luckily for me, I was diagnosed probably within three months of my symptoms back in 2014. Actually, I was in New Orleans sitting next to my mother, a nurse, and my whole right side went numb. And I was watching Suits. I remember that. And I looked at her and I was like, my mom, mama, my right side is numb. And she told me to smile. And she's like, well, you're not having a stroke. (laughs) Still, she told me. When you get back to Dayton, go see your doctor. I came back here, I, saw, I was seeing Dr. Twyman. I saw him once. He sent me to a neurologist at the Valley, Miami Valley. He saw me once, he worked me up. He did all the testing for MS. And I came back that visit, he diagnosed me. I was on MS medicine within maybe two months after that. So I, it went quick. And then I was very blessed because my best friend who is from Vidalia, Louisiana is <laughs>
1: Div-
0: here. Vidalia in with there, a Vidalia know, onion. 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 Yes. Biennale. She's, she, uh, is African American and I adopted her and she is an MS specialist. Her brother died from MS. He actually passed from MS while she was in residency and she confirmed my diagnosis. I started my MS medicine. I had a relapse probably within a month. starting my first drug and she made me switch to UC to her attending and he's one of the best MS specialists in the world and she trained under him and then she went to Oregon Mm -hmm. and she went to Oregon did her fellowship and now she's at Oshner in New Orleans but the reason I can't take the vaccine is because the MS drugs that we take it affects our immune system so it makes those white blood cells not work. So they have not studied people like us. There's other people who take immunosuppressants like rheumatoid patients, people with irritable bowel, like Crohn's disease, some of the like the eczema drugs, a lot of the autoimmune disorder drugs. They're telling us we can't take it yet because they haven't studied us yet. But as soon as I find out, I will take it. So as soon as you take take it, yes, yes, I want to take it. I want to travel again.
1: (laughs) I want to fly. What has it been like for you having your, knowing that your system is compromised and knowing that the virus is as prevalent as it is? What has it been like for you? And you work in the medical industry, you're (laughs) around people all the time. So tell us how you have Work your way through it, and thankfully, you've been blessed not to have had the virus yet. Follow the science. Just listen
0: to the doctors. Dr. Fauci. <laughs> That's Dr. my Dale man. Ray. Yes, <laughs> I, I follow Dr. Fauci. I do what yeah. he says. And, and I think, you know, honestly, I think a lot of the people who have caught the virus just didn't listen. They just were in denial or you know, they said, oh, my friend can't have it or she can't have it or, you know, they think because they know them personally, they can't be a carrier mm-hmm. or or sometimes it was brought into the home. There was a lot of cases where someone worked in a nursing home and brought it and gave it to the whole family. But I think a lot of people just refused to wear masks They and they wanted to go to parties like they showed people partying in New Year's. I mean, there was somewhere they had a whole parade and <laughs> no one had on masks. So I think it's still a lot of denial, even though people see it. They still, there's so much stuff on the internet and they're saying the vaccine can make you sterile and the vaccine got chips in it. And I'm like, I, t- I tell people all the time, do you carry a cell phone? Yes. Well, you're being tracked. You're tracked. Because my cell phone... It will ping me. I walk into a store, it knows where I'm at. It, if you go online and search and the next time you go online, have you ever noticed it'll tell it'll bring up ads from the last mm-hmm. thing you search? Mm-hmm. You're being tracked anyway. Yes, if you yes. carry a cell phone, they are tracking you. <laughs> so you don't need to be chipped. You've already been chipped. It's in your back pocket. But I think a lot of people are so much into still denial of this disease. And fortunately for me, I know it's real because my family owns a funeral home. And when I talk to my dad, it's always, how many COVID people have you buried? Oh, I did a couple this week. (laughs) So if my brother, he's a mortician and he he's upset because they're not giving the, the vaccine to morticians. And I never really thought about it until he said it, because he's like, you know, we're going into the hospitals. We're going into the morgues. You know, we're going into the nursing homes and so getting you to get the bodies. Get yeah. the bodies. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting exposed and stuff. So he you know, they're trying to get pushed up to get the vaccine sooner because they're being exposed and I hadn't even thought about it until he told me that. So, but I know it's real and I believe it's real and I think the fear has kept me healthy because when I go out, I have my mask on. I do go out to eat, but I always, you know, I make sure, even if I can get the one gap, I try to get an extra gap of space and I take my mask off to eat and as soon as we leave, I put my mask back on and you know, but I, I think fear has kept me alive <laughs> and following rules has kept me alive.
1: Yes, yes. And as we get into, or we're in the midst of, of winter, a lot of people want to know, you know, how do I best take care of my feet? With New Year, uh, the New Year coming in, a lot of people are in the gyms and the fitness centers and working out and have these New Year's resolutions to lose weight and <laughs> to get in shape and to get physically fit. And they don't necessarily look at the feet as something that they need to get prepared for because they are working out and putting that pressure on their feet. So during this season, what should we be doing for our feet? Obviously, coming to you, so you can examine our feet and let us know how we're doing. But what consciously, what should we do? We be doing about our feet? Well. You're probably gonna because people are probably
0: going from inactivity to activity, so they haven't really been working out or doing anything for the last few and months.
1: Winter, a little drier than yeah. yeah,
0: and, and then they're gonna decide they're gonna start running and <laughs> walking and deadlifting weight and doing different things, so they may start to accrue a lot of different kinds of tendonitis, so like Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis maybe pulling things, stretching things out of whack that hasn't been used in a long time. So the first thing probably would be to get a good pair of tennis shoes, a new pair of tennis shoes, something that's not worn out especially if you're deciding like you're going to start going to the track in the gym and trying to walk long distances or run and doing other activities like if you want to start now trying to do Zumba and other things or even all these automated things I know they have a new one that the wall where you can work with a personal trainer digitally with the mirror mm-hmm. so you know just and then stretching and prepping and making sure you do do stretching and things before you start trying to do all this different type of workout keep yourself hydrated you know things of that nature and then of course your skin this is winter time and I always tell people just lotion up during the winter months because your skin we're pulling all the moisture out of our skin because of the heat because we're inside we're in low humidity and we just dry out in the winter and I and in the winter months I just pretty much just use plain old Vaseline and cocoa butter I just lump it on <laughs> and I just don't put it between your toes, but you just lump it on. Can explain it. to us,
1: if you will, Dr. Richmond, why we don't put that between your toes?
0: So, because when you put your shoes on, the toes close up and they don't breathe. So it stays moist and wet and then fungus and bacteria move in. Usually athlete's foot. <laughs> and there's some. Don't so want
1: to prevent that.
0: And it's a particular out. bacteria that likes to live in there, and it turns everything green, and it mm-hmm. it doesn't smell good at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, and then. But lately, I've been treating some really bad cases of athlete's foot.
1: Do you attribute that to? I don't
0: know. Well, the number one reason, or the number one preceding reason, usually they just got out of prison. They're usually uh, just recently got out of prison. And 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 it's usually about 75% of the time they had just got out. And it's, and it's because they're using communal bathrooms. So you have to think about when you, if you went to college or you remember gym, it was 10, 20 people in the shower together. You don't know the cleanliness of people. And then in the prison system, I don't know how clean those bathrooms are, but there's so many people going in and out of the showers, they're just... It's like a cesspool of bacteria and fungus. So I see that, I see some horrific athlete's foot from usually men who've come, just gotten out of prison. And usually those people require oral antibiotics, antibiotics by mouth, topicals, sometimes some betadine, foot soaks. And some some patients, I think one or two, I've actually tried to send to infectious disease because they may need IV antibiotics because their athlete's foot got so bad. <laughs> so I've seen some bad cases of it.
1: So what should the signs be or what we should be looking for? Is it so much the smell? Is it just... Just the way they feel, maybe dry, a little crusty. So. All of them. <laughs>
0: Usually it's the smell, it's the skin. The skin is super scaly. If they look between their toes, it may be raw. It may be like white, raw. It could be draining. And lots of times it could be green in there. That's a particular bacteria that's called Pseudomonas. It's a very stinky bacteria. What's it called again? Pseudomonas. Pseudomonas. And it requires a specific antibiotic that we have to put you on. And generally, for anything out of the ordinary, especially interdigital, tinea, athlete's foot between the toes, I always like to culture it and see exactly what's living there. And then I can um, put them on antibiotics to make sure I can kill it or antivirals. I mean, antifungals. So, but I had one gentleman, his feet were brown, but his skin had turned black around the athlete's foot, the top of his feet, between his toes, because it had had turned chronic. And he's like, well, when my feet going to turn back normal? I said, I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be a while first let's get rid of the infection, then you may or may not turn back because it's been so chronic and it's been going on so long, the skin has been traumatized by the infection. So it may or may not turn back to normal color.
1: You know, Doc, there may be individuals out there that say, you know what, I don't necessarily have any problems with my feet right now. They feel good. You know, I I walk uh, on my feet with no, you know, given pain, but... Isn't it at some point, would you suggest an evaluation, maybe to just come and see you and say, let me just evaluate your feet to see what's going on here. If there may be any potential problems and maybe you can come and you can talk a little bit about your foot spa that you have on site as well.
0: Well, I wouldn't necessarily say everyone should come to see me. I would say more of the high-risk people, like people like, so all diabetics should see me at least once a year. People with renal disease, people on dialysis should see me. People on blood thinners most definitely should see me. They should not be trimming their nails or calluses. People with any kind of major health problems, so people with a lot of swelling in their feet or legs, people who have something called lymphedema, So lymphedema is, you see the people with the huge swollen legs, sometimes one leg may be bigger than the other. So those kind of people with chronic conditions, they should see me especially. And then as far as other people, if you're young and you're healthy and you're not having any problems, I wouldn't necessarily say you need to come see me. You may want to try some over-the-counter products. And if it's not helping your issue, then come see me, especially like with heel pain, Achilles tendonitis, that's inflammation of the tendon in the back of your heel. or And then also with children. So if you're having a child that's complaining of pain, especially if or they're complaining of uh, pain, or if they're delayed in walking. So if you're seeing them having problems with walking, they're stumbling or they're not meeting their milestones as far as walking, or they're walking funny, especially like if they're walking, is you say something like a toe walker, and those are kids who literally walk on their toes, their heels don't touch the ground. There is surgery for that because there may be their Achilles tendon is so tight, it can't touch the ground. And then I have a lot of children with flat feet. So in the African American community, I would say probably 80% of black people have flat feet. (laughs) I don't see a whole lot of arches in African-Americans. I don't have, I have flat feet. So, and it doesn't mean necessarily that you will have foot pain, but some people do. And I've actually had children. I had a young girl maybe a couple weeks ago She has severe flat feet. I mean, her, what we call pronated, she was almost walking on her ankles. And she was only like 10 or 11. So I suggested in her case to send her for surgery. There is a surgery that can be done up to the age of 18 to give you an internal orthotic. And it's basically, it's called an MBA implant. They put it in the ankle joint and it gives you an arch internally and it can be done up to the age of 18 and I always advise that especially if they're already having chronic pain because after 18 we our bones ossify which means they get hard mm-hmm. and you can't tolerate it anymore and I've seen so many adults that I wish if they had been seen as children and they could have had that procedure because when you're an adult really all you can do is put them in orthotics, You can put them in what's something called Richie braces, which are custom braces that kind of lock the ankle. But as a child, it could be fixed. And I always use the, well, I always think about, what's her name? Spike Lee. Because he has severe pigeon toe. And I wish he could have seen a podiatrist. (laughs) Maybe that could have been fixed Mm -hmm. or braced straight. Because he walks, he has severe, he's a severe pigeon toe walker, in toe walker. So like the orthotic, and do you find with those,
1: I mean, it can correct and even essentially help a lot of people. But they just don't want to go that extra mile to get the orthotics for their
0: shoes. Well, I think Shoal, Dr. Shoal has done a great job with marketing. This new company, this new chain of orthotics I see on TV, they're doing a great job of marketing. I don't think podiatrists, people know what we do. But, you know, people look more for convenience so they can just go to Walmart, stand on this little machine and pops out some orthotics. And um, then they'll try them. Then they'll come to me and they'll say I tried it, it didn't work, and then I give them mine, and most of the time they work. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's most of it is the the mechanics of the orthotic. There's something called biomechanics that we had to learn in podiatry school, which is basically the mechanical way the human body works. And the three it was very technical, but it's all the three dimensions of how we move, and the orthotics help control that and control motion. And it's kind of like a car. You know how if one tire goes low, the car doesn't ride right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with your feet. If your feet are off, you don't walk right. And it can go all the way up to your to your uh, jaw if your feet are off or if your knees off or if your, your hips are off. So it throws everything out of whack. And lots of times people come to me, they'll get the orthotics. And then if those don't work, I can't send you out for customs. Customs usually bill out at 400 mine i sell over the counter are 30 because they are over the counter and they're not custom but i wear them in my shoes and i'm fine actually the customs haven't worked as well for me
1: <laughs> you know dr richmond i know some people that may not be able to call in right now and those of you that are listening if you have a question or comment the lines are open for you to call at 937-457-1210 we will take your uh, questions or comments and I know some are rolling in uh, now and someone wants to know how does a person avoid uh, ankle pain if they're like working out and exercising
0: well you could buy like an over-the-counter ankle brace wear high tops shoes you could if you have a previous history of ankle injuries you could wrap your ankles with some ace bandages mm-hmm. stuff like that mostly it's, it's stabilizing the ankle so if you have a history of chronic ankle sprains or ankle injuries ankle fractures you just want to give your ankles some help so you just want to help lock them in and give them some support but it's more preparation so you know like i've had tons of patients with previous ankle injuries you can't just go out and do five-on-five five basketball right. with a bunch of 20-year-olds, and you 50. <laughs> you got to prep yourself.
1: Prep yourself. <laughs> so we do have a, a couple other questions. We've got a gentleman, whose name is Melvin. He said, how do you prevent shin splints? He gets those reoccurring shin
0: splints. Sounds like he may be a runner. Shin splints are usually from running, okay. and it's usually from running on inclines. So, and it's also from running in worn out shoes. Okay. So if he's running and he, one thing we do as podiatrists, when people, especially runners, and they come and they'll say, I'm having this issue, that issue. We look at their shoes and we look at the wear on their shoes. So if they're wearing their shoes on the outside, they may need an orthotic or if they're wearing them on the inside, they also may need orthotic, but they also may need new shoes. Because just like the analogy again of a car, if the tires are wearing funny, it'll ride funny and that's the same thing. So it could be they're a runner and it also could be they're running on an incline. So they're uneven. Mm -hmm. So they're utilizing the muscles in front of the leg too much and they get irritated.
1: So, here's a part two question. So, you have the baby toe and then that toe next to the baby toe. Okay. That toe sometimes is stiff and, like, not necessarily painful, but sore. So, what could that come from if the rest of the toes are fine and it's just that one toe that has a certain amount of, like... I would need him to come in.
0: He needs some x-rays. He needs some x-rays. <laughs> is it
1: possible it could be sprained
0: or... It's possible, but... I don't know. Usually the toes that hurt... one toe that hurts,
1: yeah. and it's not the baby toe, because you can kind of understand the baby well, toe. Well, usually
0: the first or the fifth toe get hit the most, so they usually get stubbed or hit so, or broken. it's not
1: it. the baby toe, though, and it's the one next to it. Where
0: do yeah. you attribute that to? Maybe arthritis,
1: maybe
0: trauma. And one toe? Uh-huh. Or it could be something called neuropathy. So I would have to know the type of pain, because... There's different types of pain. So there's numbness, tingling, burning. Mm -hmm. That's nerve pain. Then there's aching, throbbing. That's musculoskeletal pain. So if a person tells me their left fourth pinky toe hurts and it burns, it could be coming from their lower back. They could have a compression of the nerves in their lower back.
1: That would affect their toe? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Because the spine is a breaker box. You have to, when you look at the spine, it's a breaker box to the human body. So say if I have a compressed nerve in my neck, my hand will go numb. If I have a compressed nerve in my lower back, my feet will go numb. Mm -hmm. So, and then if they tell me specifically which toe it is, The the nerves have dermatomes, so they run like a highway. So we can say, oh, your left fourth toe, well, that's L4, that's S5. That's that specific nerve that's irritated. Mm -hmm. So then that's what you need to see. I would refer them out probably for a spine spine referral and get their back worked up. Get some spinal x-rays. Have them see a spine specialist where they get spinal x-rays and a possible MRI to check them for a compressed nerve or bulging disc or something in their lower back.
1: Okay, interesting. Well, Doc, we're gonna take a short uh, break and then when we come back, we'll take a few more questions and then we'll take any callers that may be on the line at 937-457-1210, it's 1235. We're here with Dr. Tanisha Richmond. She is generally here on the fourth Saturday of <laughs> every month and today she's here for her show, which would have been last to Saturday. So she is here to answer all of your questions Concerning the feet, give us a call if you have a question or comment,
0: 937-457-1210. We hope you enjoyed today's show with Dr. Richmond, Sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic. The clinic is located at 1323 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio. Zip code 45402. To book an appointment, call 937-228-3668. Or you can learn more at richfeet.org.